Turn with me, please. We have just one verse for the basis of our message this evening. And will you turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 12, please? 1 Chronicles chapter 12. We apologize if the light's going on and off. I was more worried about people thinking we were having a Halloween party <laughs> when the lights went out. And we were down trying to find what was happening down there. But actually, it was a plug here right behind us. And thankfully, it was found by the time we came back up again. And we've got the, the, the electric working. So bear with us. We're running a bit late this evening. First Chronicles chapter 12. And we're just going to read one verse, and it's verse 32. Verse 32, please. And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Let us pray. Father, Thank you for the songs of Zion. Thank you for the praise and the worship. Thank you for those who have ministered in song tonight. And now, Father, we thank you for your spirit in our midst and with us. We thank you for everyone you have brought out tonight, whether they've come from near or from far. We pray you'd give them their portion of the blessing this evening. And for those who are watching live or later on Facebook or YouTube, wherever they are around the world, we pray the Lord, for your blessing to be with them as you are here with us. So shut us in with yourself and lead us on tonight, Lord, to the glory of your most precious, worthy and wonderful name, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. As we mentioned this morning, in our service we spoke on the 31st of October being held as... Uh, the Reformation Day, 30th today was Reformation and is Reformation Sunday. And we looked at that this morning. And of course, then the 31st of October is also held. And you can hear outside there's fireworks. And that is for Halloween. Now, we're not going to dwell on the things of Halloween tonight. But here's what we would say that there's something strange has happened in our nation this week, especially when we look at what has gone on behind the scenes. And so we'll look a bit more of the spiritual aspect of things that has happened in our nation this very week. But take note of this, brothers and sisters, when we talk of globalists and we talk of elitists, and we speak of a new world order. This is not a fanciful idea, but for those men of Issachar, they were able to understand the times in which they were living in, and they were able to tell Israel the times that they were living in and what to do. In fact, in our reading, it is that they were able to tell Israel to follow hard after God's man, who was David, that was coming onto the throne in Judah, Jerusalem. And hence they were able to understand the times and say, yes, follow this man. I know that the church would have men who would be like that and women who would be like that, who would understand the times in which we are living in, that we might tell Israel or tell our people what to do as Issachar 
did. And hence, this week, when most of the people, the masses, are so engrossed in decorating their houses with ghouls and ghosts and vampires and witches and cobwebs and so forth around the place, their gardens, they are so focused on this, something spiritual happened behind the scenes. And we'll look at it this evening. This year, special attention has been on the outgoing Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Liz Truss, and the incoming Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Rishi Sunak. On the 24th of October, Monday past, Monday the 24th of October, it was announced that there was a new Prime Minister, which would be Rishi Sunak. And then we also have to think of, he has broken some records. For example, he is the youngest post-war prime minister. And also he's the first Asian prime minister of the United Kingdom. But notice this, on the 24th, Monday the 24th of October, he is announced as the prime minister of the United Kingdom. Now Rishi Sunak is a practising Hindu. He's a practising Hindu. And they have a plethora of false gods, false deities. Now take note that when he was being sworn into parliament, when he was coming in as an MP into parliament, he didn't swear on the Bible, as even though many of them are ungodly anyway that do, but he didn't swear on the holy word of God, but rather he swore on the Bhagavad Gita, the holy writings of Hinduism. And hence he came in under that guise and under that swearing of an oath. The, the, the week starting Monday the 24th, announcing Rishi Sunak as a prime minister was also this year. Now note, this year, it was also the week starting of the Diwali Hindu festival. 24th Monday, the same day, the 24th of October was the start of the Hindu Diwali festival. Now, you might think what's special about that or what's strange about that. Well, for example, next year, that is in 2023, on the 12th of November, it will start the Diwali festival. But this year, it just happens to be at the time when people are so caught up with their their Halloween activities, it just so happens to be when the new Prime Minister, the exact same day, the very day that he is announced as the new Prime Minister to come in, that the Diwali festival of Hinduism would begin. Now, the Diwali lasts for five days in Hinduism and is known as the festival of lights. And to them, it represents light overcoming darkness and, and bitter, or pardon me, sweet overcoming bitter uh, and so forth. But the problem is that while it looks good and it talks about lights, the festival of lights, we have to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ said, while they are attributing this to a festival of heathen deities, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 8 and verse 12, he said, I am not a light in the world. He said, I am the light of the world. In other words, Christ and Christ alone is the light of this world. He that followeth me, he says, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Let us also 
take into our hearts and memories the words of Psalm 119 and verse 105. The psalmist pens, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A lamp to the feet to show where we stand and a light to the path to show the direction uh, that we should walk in. And hence the word of God, which he did not swear on, but the Bhagavad Gita he swore on, this has been the guiding mark throughout Britain's history. I take note of this, brothers and sisters. The outward show of the valley is colorful, it's light, it's peaceful, and we have to say it's family-friendly and family-orientated. And it looks good to the eye. Looks good to the eye. But let's remember that even Eve, when she was deceived in the Garden of Eden, it says she looked upon the tree of knowledge of good and evil where she was not to eat from it. And she said, it says that she saw that it was good to the eye and good for food. And hence she took off it. And many are joining in in these, this festival of the worship or the, uh, the, the deification of heathen and gods. Take note, but. This pantheistic platter of deities, there's different gods mentioned throughout the five days. Different ones are mentioned, and they are venerated throughout the five days. The highest point of the Diwali festival is the middle day, which was Wednesday, which was Wednesday. On Monday, the 24th, he has announced, by Wednesday on their highest day, he announces his cabinet And he starts making tracks as the new prime minister. You might say, why is this? uh, What is the relevance of all of this? Well, take note of this. In the middle of this five day, you call the middle day or the third day Lakshmi Puja. The Lakshmi Puja. And this is uh, uh, the, the goddess. The goddess of prosperity and the goddess of wealth the goddess of prosperity and of wealth. Did you know that Rishi Sunak's wife, Ashata Murthy, is the daughter of the second most wealthiest man in the whole of India? The second most wealthiest man in the whole of India, Narajana Murthy. Now, I want you to take note of this, brothers and sisters, because he is also the co-founder and the chairman of Indian tech giant, Infosys, a tech gen called Infosys, and they are a digital technical services, and they are worth around 4.5 billion. About 4.5 billion. And let us also remember this. Remember, this is the very day he's announced in his cabinet. He's brought in at the very beginning of the festival. He's announced he swears on the baguette of Fita, and now we find that he, behind the scenes with his wife, they are worth in their own pocket 750 million pounds. And yet she didn't pay her taxes. And there's a plethora of things that has been going on in the background where there has been dodgy dealings with this woman and her money. Notice this button. Rishi Sunak was also 
You ready? He was also an investment banker. Now we're getting somewhere here. He was also an investment banker for 10 years. For 10 years. Now think of the context, con- context that he is coming in. And think of those who he has come across. Notice what Richie Sunak said again on the 24th of October when the Diwali festival had just begun and he was announced as the new prime minister. I'm going to quote him. Now listen carefully. This is what he said. The G7 is is launching a set of policy principles for retail, a central bank currency, CBDC, central bank digital currency. He goes on. CBDCs could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Governments and central banks will work together on a potential currency that would be issued by a central bank. Now you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Would that not be handy? Let me tell you the way this will work. You will have a certain amount of carbon footprint for starters that you will be allowed to use. And if you are driving to work and you have to drive to work and you're driving, you don't have your proper electric car and even the charging of it will happen as well. What they'll do is they'll give you just enough to get the working back again and no leisure purposes. They will control your money from a central bank. You will go to get food and they'll think, you know what, you're just putting on a bit too much weight there and they'll read it all down what you're reading, too much sugar in your debt and they will control your money from the central bank. All of this has been spoken of in the word of God and it's all common true. So take note, that's only a little tip of this. In the Delhi newspaper headlines all across Delhi and in India, listen to what they said. The headlines read, Indian Sun, S-O-N, Rishi Sunak. Indian Sun rises over the empire. That was the whole headlines. The Indian Sun rises over the empire. Klaus Schwab, the man who is one of the masterminds of the Great Reset, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, his book he has written, amongst other things. Listen to what Klaus Schwab says. What we are very proud of is that we penetrate global cabinets and countries with our WEF, World Economic Forum, with our WEF, Young Global Leaders. Young global leaders. And now listen to Nigel Farage just this week. Listen to what he said. The globalist coup has succeeded. Nigel Farage said the globalist coup has succeeded. And so Rishi Sunak is the fastest positioned, the fastest positioned MP to become a PM, a member of parliament to become a prime minister. Seven years. He had only come in, sworn his bag of vita, 
by Garavita. And there he was ushered through the ranks because of the globalist contacts. I'm not saying the man's not intelligent. I'm sure he is. But there he has been rushed through the ranks, now prime minister, and now we find that he is a globalist. Let me tell you about the one-worldism and the globalism in the United Kingdom this evening. Let me show you the leaders, those in high position and power and authority in the United Kingdom. First of all, we have an apostate so-called Christian king. He's a globalist. Secondly, we have a Hindu prime minister. He's a globalist. Thirdly, we have a Buddhist home secretary. And fourthly, the capital city of London is a Muslim Lord Mayor. The ecumenism across the land, starting at the highest ranking echelons from the globalist movement. Religious ecumenism, financial ecumenism. And of course, we have the governmental and economical ecumenism. If you're looking at your Bible, please, and you have it there, would you turn me to the book of Revelation, please? Revelation chapter 16. Revelation 16, please. And bear with me while we read some verses out. Go with me, first of all, to the verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. These are the three sections of Babylonian mystery religion and the economy and government. Now take note of this in verse 14. For they are the spirits of devils. What are the spirits of devils in our land, in our government, in our nation, leading the people? They are spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth, notice, and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day. Of God Almighty. I believe that battle of the great day of God Almighty is at hand. I believe there's a chance that we will be cast into nuclear Armageddon. But I believe that Christ is coming again. Read on with me, please. Let your eye just run down, just for time's sake, to verse 19. And the great city was divided into three parts. This is the city, Great Babylon. Speaks of a spiritual global city, really. Babylon, ecumenizing in religion, ecumenizing in political system, ecumenizing in the monetary system. That's the three parts. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and Great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague and the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Now take note here, even though 
there's great plague. Whatever people think that might be nuclear warheads, that might be great actual great big hailstones, and whatever way it is, whatever the Lord decides or has planned to do, matters not. But what matters is that even though this hail is falling on men and women out of heaven, they're still not turning to God. They're still blaspheming God. They're still shaking their fist at heaven. And I wonder, is there a man in here tonight? Is there a woman in here tonight? And no matter what has come into your life and you keep thinking, maybe you need to get right with God or you've walked away from God and you're thinking, maybe you need to get back to God. Is there a man or a woman in here tonight? And even though the Lord has given you many times of a chance, you're still shaking your fist to heaven and you are turning away from him. If you will, will you turn with me to chapter 17? Chapter 17, and there came one of the seven angels which had seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show thee unto thee the, the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit on a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of the abomination and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead, notice this woman has a whore's forehead. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations off the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Here, John is saying, when I seen this, I was trying to work this out. I couldn't figure out what was going on because he couldn't understand this whole political, this whole economic and religious system. And this system has been right throughout the very beginning from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Israel, right through to the very outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the day of Acts chapter 2, and through the early church right across time, right until now, until Christ returns. I want you to see that these systems are gathering in strength. These systems are gathering together, and they're forming, as it were, the great city Babylon, which will fill the whole earth. And they are setting a stage for a new world order. Will you stay with me as we just run down through some more, please? Will you go to chapter 18? <clears throat> chapter 18. Verse 1. And after these things I saw another angel come down out of heaven, having great power in the earth, was lightened with his glory. And he cried madly with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great has fallen, is fallen, has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. That's what God thinks about this. Can you see that, friend? This is what God thinks of the sinner, of the man and the woman who are perpetrating these things, the Christ rejecter and all of those who are in this elitist government, new world order, a one world government. The Lord says this, that the Babylon has become the habitation of devils. We need men who are men like the men of Issachar and women who are like those of Issachar who can understand the times and tell the people the times in which our nation and our land is in. 
because there's very few standing up to do it in this day and age we're living in. And they are lulling the people. I'm talking about the preachers and the churches. They're lulling the, pre- the people by saying, look, let's have a nice time of blessing. Let's not rock the boat. Brothers and sisters, this isn't about trying to offend. This isn't about rocking the boat. This is about preaching the truth. This is about giving the people of our land and of our nation a hope of a calling of Christ to come to the cross before the coming of Christ, to come and be saved, to be blood-washed and blood-bought, and to surrender yourself unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Christ is coming again, and he says that as a place, this Babylon, he says it's full of devils. That's the word of God. He says it is full of devils. It is the hold of every foul spirit and cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations, notice, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. Notice the kings of the earth and every nation have been infiltrated. And the idea of committing fornication is this, especially in the West where we are, we have committed spiritual idolatry and adultery before God. And we have allowed these things to come into our nation. And then he says, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And when we read this, and time doesn't allow me to read it all, it speaks of all the riches of the commerce. It speaks of the riches of the buying and the selling and the banking, the investment banking. The men like Klaus Schwab and those who are the billionaires, even in the trillionaires who are behind the scenes, who are working these things out. Because this whole cabal of, of globalists are like having the very nations like puppets on the string. You know, they don't care how you run your government as long as they are in control at the end of it. They don't care if you put your prices up or take them down. They don't care of any of it as long as they know, that is, the leaders of this nation knows that they answer to them. And hence, this is where our nation is, and this is where our land is. Here is the call. Here is the call of God to every one of us. Verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Come out of her. You might say, how do I come out of her? I'm living in a nation where we're, we're enslaved by the, the, the very monetary system. You see, we talk about slavery, but the, the main slavery today is a financial slavery. That's why all these prices are going through the roof. Do you realize that in the last few months that even, uh, I think it was Shell, they actually they made billions and billions upon billions of, 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 of profit just in the last few months, and you and I are going to the petrol pump, and you and I are going for the diesel and the petrol and whatever else, and it's through the roof, and they're saying, oh, we can't drop it. We can't drop the money. You know why? Because we're being taxed on it. That's why. We're slaves to the system. We are slaves to the system. And the elitists are sitting back just like puppets on a string, and the leaders of the governments are here, the leaders are saying, pulling the strings. But guess what? The government leaders are here. We might be away down there. The elitists are here, but our God is in the heavens. Our God is in the heavens. And he laughs at their calamities. 
he laughs at them. And so we see the very financial system, the economic Babylon. And it says, come out of her, my people. How do I come out of her? If you're not saved, this is how you come out of her. You come to Christ. You come to the cross. And you might be in the same system as, as us, and we'll have to go to the same petrol pump, but we must make our voices heard when they need to be heard. See, what's wrong is, as I said last week, too many preachers are staying silent, and so the people are allowing things to just, the leaders of the people are allowing things to be, just be quiet. And suddenly the people wake up and say, what has happened? Why is the spiritual leaders not telling us that there are demonic spirits who are, who are wor- working behind the scenes? Why are they not telling us that there are devils? Why not tell us that these spirits are working in, in leaders as they worship false gods and deities and rule our nation? So, brothers and sisters, when we look at this, it says, come out of her, my people. And I believe that when Christ comes, he's going to take us right out of her. He's going to destroy Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. Notice, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and why that ye receive not of her plagues. Look, here's the thing. Everybody... Every man and his dog is blaming Brexit. That's all you hear. Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. This is what you wanted when you wanted Brexit. No, it's not because we didn't get Brexit. Anyway, here's what we wanted. We wanted free from an elitist group in Europe. That's what we wanted. And the difference is they won't let us go. And hence we are seeing, because I remember listening to a pastor friend, he's, past, he's died five or six years ago. And I remember sitting listening to him one time, 20 years ago. And he says, there will come a time when Britain, I believe, will come out of the European Union. He says, but watch how they fight and will not let her go. And that's what's happening today. They won't let us go. You know why? Because they are elitists controlling the nations. That's the problem. They want a one world government. And if we were to break free, well now what have they got? They've got one of their own globalists right in the heart of the government as a prime minister. They've got one uh, in, in, in the very throne of Britain. That's what we have here, brothers and sisters. And if we're not careful and if we don't sound an alarm... If we don't pray against these things, then we will end up partaking of her plagues when God comes in his wrath. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Please let your eye run down to verse 9. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication have lived deliciously with her. She shall shall, shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. You know, remember 9-11? Remember 9-11? The Twin Towers? What was the Twin Towers called? Can you remember their name? The World Trade Center. The World Trade Center. The World Trade Center. That's the name. And the third building between them, which came down with them, That's where all the documents 
were all held and kept and it disappeared. The whole building just flattened and disappeared. They took the World Trade Center down. Because you see, there's London as a trade center, a World Trade Center, and there in New York as a World Trade Center. And hence we see how God had judged it. And God has warned it. And he's allowed evil to come. Because if you want evil in the land, then God will allow evil in the land until the cup is full. And when the cup, the fill you up the measure of your cup, he says. And when you fill up the measure of your cup, he says, then he says, the wrath is coming out, will be poured out upon you. And brothers and sisters, here's the thing about this. There are men and women and they turn away Christ and his gospel. And they live the way they want to live. And they live in their sin. And they reject the finished work of Christ. And they turn away the blood of Christ. And the Lord says, then fill you up the measure of your cup then. Or fill you up the measure of your fathers. If you want to go that way, then you go that way. But you will stand before him. And his wrath will be upon you. And judgment will come. That's the word of God. This is what he says. So we have economical Babylon. Just let your eye run down with me, please, just for another one or two of these readings, if you will. Let your eye run down to verse 17. For in one hour, so great riches has come to naught. For in one hour, so great riches has come to naught. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and the sailors and his Many as trade by the sea stood afar off and went and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour she is made desolate. You know what God's telling us as Christians? You know what he's telling you and I tonight? He's saying, listen, the stage is being set for a new world order. And notice I, I called it, the stage is being set for a or a new world order. Not the new world order. Because they're looking for the new world order. But the stage is being set for a new world order. And when you and I read these things, we think, wow, according to all of this, and according to all that we are hearing, everything is going wrong, and everything is terrible, and everything is bad, and we are without hope. And that's what it seems like. But God is saying, the stage is being set for a new world order. My new world order. Because Christ is coming to set up his kingdom. And he's telling us here, the very training of the ships. All of it, you can read that when you go home. He's saying, they will all come to nothing. Because I'm sending my son. And Christ will come. And we're going to look at it in a moment. And if you're not ready, and if you're not right, and if you're not saved, and you're not under the blood... When Christ returns again, then you will be lost and you will receive the plagues of the wrath of God. Notice what he says. For in one hour is she made desolate. Here's what we have to do. Rejoice over her, thy heaven and holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall the great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. 
In other words, God will come and there'll be not one single part of this tripart Babylon mystery religion, Babylon's economical system, nor Babylon's political system, because God is coming and he says, you'll not find any trace of it. All you will find is the kingdom of God on this earth. Now, since the Bible has been true, and the Bible has spoken of these things, I want to ask you, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, friend, tonight, since this has come true, what does the Bible say about the man and woman who are not saved? It says you'll be lost. What about the man and woman, the Christian who's backslidden and away into the world? The Bible says that you'll be ashamed when Christ returns if you're not right with him, walking and serving him. You'll be ashamed at his coming. Remember Adam and Eve were in the garden? It says at the cool of the day when the voice of the Lord would come to walk with them. Adam! Adam, where art thou? Now God knew where Adam was. He's God. He knows all things. He knew where Adam was. And Adam was hid with Eve in the, and among the trees. And this is, I'm paraphrasing for time's sake. God knew where he was. Well, why did he call him? Because he had to come out and admit his guilt, admit his sin, and repent before the Lord. We hid and we heard your voice in the garden. We hid because we were naked and we were afraid. Notice we were naked and we were afraid. And here's what the Lord says to him. Who told you that you were naked? He didn't say, why are you afraid? He says, who told you you were naked? You see, the age of innocence had went when the fall in the garden. Whether it was a garment of light or an illumination of mind, and a way of thinking of the word. It had gone in the garden, and the voice of the Lord, and His holiness is coming. And they say, well, you know, we'll try and make fig leaves to cover ourselves, but we're naked, and hence they hid. Adam, where are you? Where are you tonight? Where are you? Where are you tonight? Where are you tonight with the Lord? Will you be ashamed because he finds you in your nakedness? You're not covered in the blood. In a naked state of sin and shame. He says, come out. Come before me and repent. Come and repent of your sin and I'll forgive you. You know what he done? He went and he took an animal, shed the blood, and he covered their nakedness. He covered their nakedness. And that's what the Lord will do with you tonight, friend, if you're not saved. He covers your nakedness and your sin and your shame. Remember they're all in the boat and the Lord had died and he told them to go to Galilee and there they're in Galilee and they've been fishing all night and have caught nothing and they're exhausted and their sweat's probably running off them and there they are and there's a stranger on the shore comes. Children, have you any meat? 
you know what happened? Peter was naked. Peter was in the boat naked. He girds himself. John says, it's the Lord. He said he would come and he did. He said he would be here and he is. It's the Lord. And Peter girds himself and jumps off the boat and over to the beach. Now the Lord is making them on coals of fire some honeycomb and fish. Peter didn't want to be naked before the Lord when he came because Peter knew he had denied him thrice. And the cock did crow as Christ had said. When John is looking at this, he can't work it out. How can he? Caught up in the spirit on the Isle of Patmos, a rugged, barren prison isle, and there he's caught up in the spirit, showing all these wonders of Christ and the things that were to come. He can't work out what this is. You see, Daniel gives us a little telltale sign. If you'll go with me to Daniel chapter 7, Daniel 7. You see, when you're reading the book of Daniel, the Lord at the end of it shows Daniel visions and he says, seal them up. Seal up the visions. But by the time it comes that he dies, he's buried, he rises again and the apostles are preaching the word and John is in the Isle of Patmos it's like a bookend. Daniel is at this end of the book of time here uh, and these prophecies and, and revelation will be here. He seal up the vision because the time is not yet, he says. I'm paraphrasing for time's sake. But he tells John, he says, open it up and reveal it out because the time is at hand. It's happening now, John. So they're like two bookends. And John can't see this city, mystery, Babylon. He can't understand it, but in Daniel chapter 7 sort of helps us a little, and he sees that Daniel has a dream. And in the dream, I'll just skip across this. Notice in verse 3, four, four beasts, great beasts came up out of the sea, diverse or different one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And then if you go on down to the second beast in verse 5, was a bear with itself raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth and between its teeth. Then in verse 6 he says, And lo, behold, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. And then he comes into verse 7. And after this I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast. Now notice what he says. The first one is like a lion. The, the second one he says, is like, uh, uh, like a bear, and the third is like a, a leopard. He sees things that he recognizes, and they are kingdoms from Daniel chapter 2. I can't go into it tonight, but he sees these kingdoms represented here. Daniel 2 is a man with head of gold, uh, chest and arms of silver, uh, belly or midriff of brass or bronze, legs of iron, and then goes down to feet of iron, part of iron and part of clay. And it speaks of the kingdoms that were coming because Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, who had this dream, he says, Nebuchadnezzar, thou art the head of gold. You and Babylon, 
You're the head of gold. There's coming another kingdom inferior to yours because it's silver. And that was the two arms of the Medo-Persian Empire. And then came Alexander the Great in time, which was the, the bronze midriff. Then came the pagan Roman Empire. Empire and the emperors and the iron of legs of iron and then straight down through time into the feet of iron and part of iron and part of clay. But take note of this. So there's the metals. Now Daniel has a dream and the lion is like the head of gold and uh, and the the, the silver of the man's arms are are like the bear uh, and the, the midriff, if you want, of bronze is likened onto a leopard. But notice what he says. There's another beast. It's dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth and devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue of the feet of it and were diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. He starts speaking about this beast and he cannot describe it. There's nothing that he can say. I don't really understand what this beast is. I can see one like a lion. I can see one like a bear. I can see the traits of a leopard. But this one, I can't work it out. And John says he can't work it out. You know why? Because it was a global beast. It's a mixture of, of the globalists and of, of ecumenized religion and, and it's a mixture of the, the, the very system of the, of the government bodies that we have, the political system, and it's also a financial economic system. And as John is looking at it, he says, I can't work this out. But as I see it, it's a thing that's full of devils. Daniel is saying on the other end, he's going, this is a beast, I can't work it out. The church of Rome comes out of this, and after Daniel's day, pagan Rome did the church of Rome right into the day. And do you know, even if you go back, I've taught on this, I don't know many times, and maybe have to refresh us again and do it again. Do you know if you go right back to 1968, the main springboard that came out from the Second World War, which was another globalist venture, by the way, so was the First World War. So was the First World War. I think of all the young men who went and were slaughtered like cannon fodder. The First World War, Second World War, after the Second World War in the 60s, I think it's 1968, if my memory serves me right, the Club of Rome was started. And it was like opening up a fountain and it just started going around the world. It's a dreadful beast. It's terrible and it's strong. And hence when we get to 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, it says, And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a far land, a far nation? Can you imagine if all of Ireland, can you imagine if England, Scotland and Wales had men who would stand behind the pulpits and preach the clarity of the days in which we are living in? Men of Issachar, as it were, men like that who would have the understanding of the times to tell them where we are. The word understanding here is the word beyond. It means discernment to have perfect understanding, to be skilled in understanding, discerning the very times that we're living in. The men of Issachar were vital at guiding Israel. 
And especially at this time, as there was a change, notice, there was a change of guard happening in Israel. Can you imagine if there were men in our government who were like men of Issachar, understanding the times in which they lived in the word of God? Can you imagine if they were going to the cabinet meeting, they were saying, listen, we can't support the Saul. The Saul was in the Old Testament. wasn't God's choice, but man's. And now David is rising up. And this Akar men looked at the signs of the times. They were able to read it. And they said, follow the man of God. Get behind David. They understood it. Can you imagine if we had men like that to say, we need to follow the ways of the Lord. We need to get behind us that we're David's greater son. And follow him. I'm running this into a close. Thank you for your attention. These men of Issachar were vital at guiding Israel. And especially at the times. For there was a change of guard happening. A change of leadership. A change of kings was happening. Issachar supported Saul. While God had him in place. But when the real man of God stood up. They followed closely behind. And they told Israel, time to gather unto this man. Imagine them saying, no, not this one, but this one. Parliament, not this one, but this one. Imagine the churches. I was going to say the Archbishop of Canterbury, but sure he's a globalist too. He's another one. They understood, listen, natural times. They could read, discern the face of the sky. Some say that they were able to to look at the stars and all this sort of stuff, but there's no real support for that. Some say they did. There's no real, I've I've tried to search for it. I can't find it where they're getting it from, except for one or two little places, But, but there's no real big support. But they could understand the face of the sky. Yes, it's time you could go tonight. Yes, you can leave town tonight. It'll be, it'll be dry all night for you to get there. Are you able to read it? Yes, go so in the morning. It's good weather. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says in Luke 12 and 56. And he said it to the Pharisees and the hypocrites of his day. Listen to what he said. Ye hypocrites, ye discern the face of the sky and of the earth. But how is it ye do not discern this time? He said to those who were in church, as it were, authority in his day. He said, you're hypocrites. He says, you're a hypocrite. You're telling the people, this is the way to go. This is how to get to God. These are the things God wants you to be and God wants you to do. And Jesus says, you're a hypocrite. You're not even discerning. You can look at the sky and say, oh yes, there's going to be good weather tomorrow. Time to sow and time to reap. And we can shout it out. But when it comes down to the real nitty gritty crunch of it, he says, you're not telling the people the days in which they're living in. What day were they living in? They were living in the time of the coming of Christ. God's son was directly before them. They were still sacrificing the animals at the temple. Shedding of blood of the innocent lamb. And there before them was the lamb of God. Which taketh away the sin of the world. And he says you're not discerning the time here. And listen they're not discerning the time here. Oh, you can have the scientists and they'll tell you this and that and the other, but they won't discern the times our nation is in. They're not discerning that Christ is coming. 
And neither are many of the churches. They don't want to preach the coming of Christ. I think they don't preach the coming of Christ because one, either they don't believe it, two, they don't understand it, or maybe they don't want to be put to the test on it how much they really believe the word of God. Jesus says, ah, you hypocrite. You can't discern the time you're in. He's the one the prophet spoke of. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him. To him. To Christ. To him. Give all the prophets witness. In other words, it was Isaiah, and it was Jeremiah, and it was Ezekiel, and it was David, and it was Daniel. All seeing, pointing, and they're saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming. And people thought, ah, well, sure, he's not coming. How long have you been saying that? Then suddenly they didn't discern the times in which they were living in. And Messiah was right in front of them. The Christ of God was before them. The Savior of the soul. The shedder of blood. His own blood. He's saying you don't even discern that it's me before you. And you're reading all the scriptures and you're talking about the scrolls and you're searching up and down them. He says, and I am here. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. All the prophets to him, give all the prophets witness. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. But Jesus comes along and he says, I am come. I am come. Issachar. And the men of Issachar understanding the times, understand ceremonial times. They would even call the people, says, to the mountain. Deuteronomy 33 and 19. It doesn't mean to any mountain to worship. It means to the mountain of the Lord. Come up and worship. Come on, Israel. Come up and worship. Come on, Israel. Gather together on the Yahweh. Come on, Israel. Come to the mountain of the Lord. Come on, Israel. Gather together unto him. if we had 200 preachers across the land without fear or favor guy come on crying come on gather on to him they understood public affairs and political times the men of Issachar knew the temperament and the temper of the people. And the temper of the people today is mixed because many have given up. They just go with the flow. When they lock you in and lock you up at their whim, the stroke of a pen from a parliament in London. And the police are ready to carry it out across the nations. The temperament of the people is okay. Let's just go and do what Babylon says. Let's do what Babylon says. When the music plays, it says, and Daniel was to fall down before the idol to worship. 
And everyone in the nation fell down to worship the idol when the instruments started to play in Babylon. But Daniel didn't fall down. Daniel went and he opened his windows toward Jerusalem. And he got on his knees three times a day and he prayed unto Jehovah. Cried unto Yahweh. You see, he understood the temperament. The temper of the nation. There's also people, the temper of the nation, who are ready to explode. What if we had 200 Issachar preachers? Men and women to go through our nation. Understand the times we're living in. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. One more scripture and we're closed. Will you turn with me to Revelation 19, please? Revelation chapter 19. Let your eye run down to verse 11. Bless you, Lord. Verse 11. And I saw heaven opened... Behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now look, this is the coming Christ. Not meek and mild. Not welcoming everyone with every lifestyle into heaven. Take note of this. He judges and makes war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. That's not his own blood this time. His blood has been shed for the remission of sin. This is the blood of his enemies. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and tread the wine, the, the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his name, pardon me, hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Yeah, listen. The stage is being set for a new world order, but it's not their new world order. The stage is being set for a new world order. The order of the coming Christ. The order of the Lord Jesus. The coming Christ. Listen. It might look like things are falling out of place. They're not. They're falling into place. Just as God is placing them in. We need to keep. According to the word of God. Keep trusting in the blood of Christ. But the thing is. The thing is. Are you ready? Are you saved? Are you serving? Are you ready? For this tells me he's coming. No matter who they put in London or Washington or wherever else matters not. Oh, we might find things difficult, but listen, I'm not looking for Antichrist. (laughs) I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming again. He's coming soon. Team, would you come up, please? The Lord bless us tonight. I'm trying to keep us informed as best I can.
trying to keep you up to speed and up to date. And there's so much more as the Lord gives it to me. And we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen next week. The Lord may give me something just completely different to try and calm the blood pressure a wee bit. I don't know. <laughs> my blood pressure. Do you know last week I was that exhausted? I went home, took off my suit and just climbed into bed. I couldn't even keep my feet on the floor anymore. I was exhausted. But I'll tell you why I was exhausted. I poured myself out here because I was aware of the anointing of the Spirit of God. And I poured myself out that people might receive the truth. I'll make a home and climb into bed again tonight. <laughs> sure, you got an extra hour in bed this morning, didn't you? I know the thing is, you got an extra hour in bed, nobody got in any earlier. What do you think of that? God bless you.